Welcome to the Nach Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we're discussing the third parak of Sefer Shmuel. Up until now, we have heard about Shmuel, that he's growing into an outstanding person, but we have not seen Shmuel do anything. And so in that sense, this parak is really our introduction to Shmuel. And as I hope to demonstrate, by looking carefully at a few points in the parak, uh, we, we get a really robust, even touching, picture of who Shmuel is as a young man. We are told that Shmuel served God in the Mishkan at the direction of Eli, who is the Kohen Gadol and the Shofate, uh, and who himself is getting old and, and is having difficulty seeing. And then we arrive at that fateful night when Hashem first speaks to Shmuel and Shmuel becomes a Navi. To set the stage, we are told Viner Elokim Terem Ushmuel Shochev Behechal Hashem Asher Sham Aaron Elokim. Which means, and the lamp of God was not yet gone out, and Shmuel was laid down to sleep in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. This pasuk leaves us with a number of questions. Firstly, what lamp was this? What does it mean it didn't go out yet? What time of the evening does that therefore represent? Um, uh, where was Shmuel sleeping exactly? It can't be that he was sleeping in the inner sanctum with the ark, uh, which the Pasuk seems to say. There are a lot of different questions in terms of just how we parse and understand this Pasuk, and many different answers have been given to these various questions, but it's not my intention to explore them here. I'm interested in what this Pasuk does kind of literarily. What does it tell us more generally? On the night that Shmuel becomes a prophet, we are told that the candle of the Lord had not yet gone out. What a beautiful image to encapsulate the historical context for the Jewish people. Bleak as things seem to be after all of the sinning and immorality in the times of the Shoftim, uh, plus the corruption of Eli's children making a mockery uh, and using the Mishkan for their own personal gain, Nonetheless, we are told, the light of the Lord still just barely flickered. I love that. V'ner Elohim the lamp of the Lord was not yet gone out. And, and into that context enters Shmuel. And, and where do we find him? We find him dutifully, loyally, piously, sleeping in the house of the Lord, the only home he has ever known, and the holiest place on earth. So what happens? That's the context. Wow, beautiful. Hashem calls out to Shmuel, and Shmuel responds, Hineni, a word that's loaded with tons of biblical meaning and significance, uh, reflective of humility, obedience, love. But Shmuel, humble as he is, um, doesn't realize that it's Hashem calling to him. He thinks it's Eli. And so he goes uh, to Eli, thinking that Eli needs something. And Eli says, actually, I, I, I didn't call to you. Go back to sleep. Shmuel goes back to bed. Hashem again calls to him. Once more, Shmuel thinks it's Eli. He goes to Eli, what can I do for you? And Eli says, I, I didn't call you my son. You know, just go back to bed. And it's only on the third time that Eli, oh, when this repeats itself, Hashem calls to Shmuel. Shmuel goes to Eli, what can I do for you? Eli realizes that Shmuel is in fact hearing the voice of God. But before we continue on in just how the narrative progresses, it's worth pausing here and considering 
why this prophecy unfolded in such a strange way and almost a, almost a little bit of a comedic way in terms of Shmuel thinking it's Eli, Eli saying it's not me. It's a little bit of like a, a who's on first moment, uh, um, but I think that uh, the reason, one reason at least for this kind of protracted initial experience of uh, encountering Hashem is, is, is that it tells us something uh, very profound about Shmuel. And that is the way that Shmuel, um, being woken up in the middle of the night, uh, dutifully, without any hesitation, without any sense of frustration, just goes to Ailey three times in a row. Three times in a row, he's being called in the middle of the night, and he goes to Ailey, what can I do for you? He's, he's just, it reflects this kind of earnestness, devotion, a selflessness. Uh, it's, it's such a beautiful and telling moment for us to see Shmuel as, as the first thing that Shmuel really does, right? A lesser person would, would, be, would you know, maybe come back in a huff, maybe just eventually just ignore Ailey. And if he would have just ignored Ailey, he probably, perhaps he would have not gotten the prophecy. But the fact that he just continues, continues to, to demonstrate that care and patience. So that's why ultimately uh, he's able to receive this prophecy. And it's just such a wonderful glimpse for us, the reader, uh, and, and therefore worth uh, thinking about for just this this moment. Okay, so Eli realizes what's going on, and he tells Shmuel that he's receiving a prophecy, and the next time that he hears the voice, he should respond in a particular way to receive the message of God, which he does. And there's there's more here to unpack that we, we could p- pull out more about Shmuel, but we'll leave it there. Shmuel then receives this prophecy, and he learns that something bad is going to happen, though the, the prophecy uh, does not specify what, what this bad thing is going to happen in Israel, um, but it's it's going to be bad and and it's going to be you know kind of a devastating thing. And then in the, Hashem tells Shmuel um, that this uh, bad event will particularly impact Eli's family. Recall that in the last parak, Eli was told by an unnamed Navi that bad things were going to happen to his family, that his children were going to die. Um, so he, he already knows that. And then the next day, Eli uh, approaches Shmuel and says, what did you, what was the prophecy? What did you learn from Hashem? And Shmuel understandably doesn't want to tell Eli this terrible news. Presumably he doesn't know that Eli already uh, is uh, is aware. Ultimately, Eli presses Shmuel to tell him what he learned. And once again, Shmuel acts without any guile, without any, without any um, you know, with, not in a self-protecting way, um, he just, with earnestness, he tells his teacher uh, exactly uh, what he learned, uh, as painful as that must have been for him. Ailey, in response, accepts God's judgment with the uh, very powerful words of uh, Hashem Hu Hatov Be'inav Ya'aseh. It is the Lord. Let him do, right? It, it, it's Hashem, so let him do whatever he, he sees fit, whatever he thinks is good. Ailey accepts the judgment. And so if we, we kind of put this all together, the parak paints a really beautiful picture of Shmuel as a young man. He displays piety, integrity, humility, loyalty. I would even say that Shmuel comes across as having a kind of pure naivete. I mean that in a positive way. Uh, he, he, he's kind of this heartwarming character. It's meant, I think, to be endearing to read this first parak uh, in which we get to see Shmuel. Uh, and I think that we get an image of, of a person who's distinct from anything we've seen uh, in Nevi'im so far. The more complex character in this parak is actually Eli. 
Remember, Ailey's children are going to die, and he knows this. He knows his own children are not going to succeed him as Kohen Gadol or the Shofate, and now his young disciple, who was essentially dropped at his doorstep, is emerging as the next great leader. A lesser person would have been incredibly resentful and hurt by this whole uh, course of events, and, and still others, uh, you know, a much lesser person than Ailey, might have even taken violent action to intervene and to ensure that this person doesn't emerge as a leader, so that you could try to you know, make, make uh, at least give his children the best possible opportunity. Uh, and yet, in, in my reading of this, we only really see love and, and uh, a healthy sense of mentorship from Ailey towards Shmuel. And he calls him Bini, calls him my son, and he, he teaches him how to receive the prophecy, even though Ailey himself, putting aside his sons, Ailey himself doesn't seem to be getting such prophecy, and so his, his own student is surpassing him. Uh, and yet he, he teaches um, Shmuel how to um, receive the prophecy. Uh, and, uh, and of course, when he then gets the prophecy, as we said, he says, Hashem hu hatov yasa. He accepts it. He accepts this painful news uh, with uh, with resignation and with with faith with faith in God, um, and so I read uh, Ailey to be a, a, a great person, and I read uh, I I think I read him in a sympathetic way, and and it's painful and it's tragic to see uh, what what comes of him. There is a, a less charitable reading of Ailey, and I think Chazal are, are a little harder on Ailey. Uh, if we, we could put together the, the, the pieces in this way, we could say, well, look, we first encounter Ailey when he uh, goes over to Chana and he misjudges her. He calls her drunk and he, uh, he uh, has, has sharp words for her, even though that was a miscalculation because Chana wasn't drunk. And uh, we know uh, very, very clearly that his children are doing terrible things and that his intervention uh, was too little and too late. And he's clearly being held to account by Hashem uh, for this failure. And then you could also say, well, it took Ailey three times till he realized what was going on with Shmuel. And you could say that even his resignation, which seems like this great uh, pious uh, statement of, you know, Hashem hu hatov it's the Lord, Hashem will do what he, what he sees fit. You could even say that that's a, a kind of uh, shortcoming in that he doesn't try to uh, do tshuva, he doesn't try to uh, change the, the course of, uh, of, of what will uh, happen to him and his family. And all of this, if you put it together and you, and you read kind of less charitably, so you could come out with a, a much less pristine and, and kind of ideal image of Ailey. So there's clearly two different ways to connect all of these dots. One thing is for sure, at, at worst, he's a great person with flaws. That's, I don't think anyone says that, that Ailey is, you know, more not, more, I don't, I don't want to make it seem too negative, um, but I personally take a, a, an even more optimistic or, or positive, I'll say, uh, reading of him. I'm, I see him as a sympathetic character, as a very righteous and devoted person, a selfless mentor to Shmuel, who ultimately suffers a kind of tragic end. Ironically, Shmuel emerges as the leader in the very same moment, in the very same breath that Ailey's family is being cut off. His very first prophecy is the prophecy that that Ailey's family is going to um, is going to uh, be cut off and and be diminished, and that Ailey's children will be killed. So it's it's kind of this remarkable. Uh, it's the ascent of Shmuel and the downfall of Ailey are somehow tied hand in hand. Something interesting to consider. And uh, that's it for today. Chazak ve'amatz and happy learning.